This is Everything with Allie Levine, hosted by Hollywood mom, celebrity stylist, influencer, and Bravo reality star, Allie Levine. On this podcast, you'll get a mix of, well, literally everything, from motherhood to fashion, lifestyle to spiritual well-being, all real and raw. Allie interviews celebrities, experts, influencers, entrepreneurs, and so much more. Tune in weekly to be inspired, empowered, and entertained. everyone. Welcome back to Everything with Allie Levine. I'm your host, Allie, and I'm so excited for today's guest. I have an incredible man, father, self-made, just incredible person. I can't wait for you guys to hear his story. I have the incredible Ari Rastegar coming on my show, and I want to tell you guys a little bit about him before we get into all things that we have so much to talk about. So Ari is a self-made tycoon, parlayed a 3k loan into a real estate empire boasting hundreds of millions in residential commercial and industrial assets with more than 4.9 million square feet currently in development in 34 cities across the u.s no big deal the 38 year old ceo of the rastiger property company launched a new 200 million investment trust in january targeting vintage multi-family homes then married, married father of two, says networking has not played an essential role and credits his intense personal development regime for the expansion of his burgeoning business. He'd love the opportunity to dish on all things. He loves talking about his story of going from rags to riches, growing up in Texas with two immigrant parents. You guys, this man has truly done it all and we're going to get into all things. So Ari, welcome to my show. Allie, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's funny yeah. to hear say those things. It kind of makes me blush a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love to make my, my, my guests blush. It's so much fun. This is all about you. So I just like want to dive in and hear all things like tell us how you, you know, you got started, like you said, you know, in your bio and your story from rag to riches, which I love that. Like you're truly self-made. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, Look, I mean, first of all, look, I nothing is really self-made. I've had so many great mentors and so many people around me that have helped me on this journey. You know, um, my dad's family are were Iranian immigrants um, to the U.S., but all super, super highly educated. Everybody, you know, has PhDs or doctorates. My uncle's the director of the National Science Foundation. My dad's an attorney. Um, my grandpa was a physician in Iran and, um, and after the revolution, we were Muslims, so they pretty much killed our whole family and we had to kind of start from scratch. And, um, but, you know, in hindsight, actually my book comes out in June, um, called the gift of failure. And, um, I can assure you that, uh, whatever humble success that I've had in my life, um, <laughs> there's been a lot more failure along the way than, uh, than any of the success, but, um, you know, in high school, I was flipping burgers at Johnny Rockets and, uh, delivering pizzas through college after going through two community colleges before Texas A&M. I'm surprised, uh, they let me in, but they did. <laughs> um, I, I was an English major and then went to law school and, you know, I, I've said this before, but, you know, I never really wanted to be an attorney. 
Um, but my dad's exact words were, you know, after you become an attorney, you can be an exotic dancer for all I care. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, but he didn't say that I can start my real estate business while in law school. Um, so I borrowed 3000 bucks from one of my friend's fathers that I'm still very close with to this day and um, used my scholarship money to uh, start building single family homes uh, back in 2005. And um, I was on the build side every morning, pouring concrete, tying rebar, putting up sheetrock, and then uh, rushing a class and work boots. And I was a pretty mediocre student in law school. I graduated top of my class in undergrad, um, but I never had a business background. I was an English major, you know, and um, I just knew that I wanted to do something special. I loved building things. And, you know, in my day job, I'm very much a risk manager. You know, people ask me about investing and making money and um, very rarely will you hear me talk about those kinds of things. I'm always concerned about, you know, how to not lose money <laughs> uh, more than anything else. Um, but in my heart, I'm an artist, you know, and um, whether it's constructing communities, you know, we're building um, 1,500 homes on 320 acres. We're one of the largest real estate owners in Austin, Texas, which is my hometown. And it wasn't that long ago that, you know, our rent was uh, 180 bucks a month. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but along the way, you know, I had some really spectacular people that, that believed in me when I didn't really, maybe really believe in myself. And my mentors have been in books. Um, I'm, I'm an avid reader and as crazy as this sounds, I still read 10 to 15 books a week and I have for, you know, 25 years. And so I've always been curious and um, I found that um, personal development, um, what that means, I've had one of the greatest life coaches in the world for over 10 years and, um, you know, I kind of had to build this guy, you know, seven years of speech therapy to kind of learn how to talk. And, um, you know, but I look back on those things and they were all just blessings to be able to do something. But as a real estate person, you know, looking at a raw piece of land and seeing what could be, you know, building communities, building homes, building industrial stuff, as you mentioned, uh, we're breaking ground on seven new projects this year. And um, I never sold any equity at the corporate level, you know, a hundred percent of the company and um, started it with, um, with, with not too much. And um, we're looking to break over a billion this year. And, yeah. and it's been quite a run, but um, everything changed from being a father, you know, holding, you know, holding our daughter. Um, she's eight years old, our oldest. And, um, our youngest, Isabella, is one, and um, our middle son, Kingston, is five. And with each child, um, you know, you, you, your priorities change, as you know, as a mother, right? Like now it's, you know, I'm a pretty simple guy. I mean, you'll see me kind of just kind of in sweats or, you know, in, in a Rastigar, you know, shirt or hat or, you know, I'll put on the suit when I have to, you know, meet with, you know, meet with <laughs> but um, but everything's always been on their timeline, you know, and I found it made me a better investor because before it was kind of all about me, you know, what did I want to do? I wanted to have this, I wanted to have that. And, 
Um, and then there's this stark transition to, um, to contribution, you know, from being kind of egocentric and having this idea of what I wanted to do for me, um, you know, being a father and being a husband, um, it changed it naturally. It was kind of a natural iteration of saying, oh my goodness, like I have this, um, you know, this, this family to take care of and our investors that are public pension funds, family offices, you know, some of the smartest money in the world. Um, it became about them, you know? And um, I read this beautiful quote the other day that resonated really deeply with me that um, humility is not that you think less of yourself, it's that you think less about yourself. Wow. You know? And that's been a key pillar in, in what we've done and um, what we'll continue to build and build out these verticals. And as you mentioned, we're in, you know, we've successfully invested in 38 cities, 12 states, seven asset classes, um, and have really ventured into, um, into other endeavors, become a full service private equity firm. Um, but to me, it's, um, it's just that constant learning and just constantly being curious and um, thinking of myself almost like a tree, like a tree trunk. And as the personal development um, has increased, I feel like those branches or those extensions are, you know, are really the extensions of what the business has actually become. Wow, that's so amazing. I mean, such a story. And I love, you know, you are so honest and vulnerable to share that you've had so many failures that you think have really helped, you know, level up your success and your continuous learning. Because whenever I get to sit down with incredible people like yourself, that's always something that they all share with the connection is we've had so many failures. I've had this, I've had that. And I love that people are vulnerable about sharing that because I think a lot of times, you know, social media, even Googling someone, you know, when you're looking at all their successes and all the highs of their career, it's like so intimidating to be like, wow, how could I ever get there? Or how could this ever be? And then sitting down with you and getting to hear how humble you are and how honest and vulnerable you are about your success and what it's taken and how you're continuing that grind and that success and all you're doing every day. It's very inspiring. I appreciate that. And, you know, look, it's, um, you know, look, I'm not the smartest guy in the world by any stretch of the imagination, but I heard Will Smith say a long time ago, they asked him, um, you know, because, you know, for, you know, some of the listeners that might be too young, but, you know, Will Smith was kind of like the rock at one point, right? He was the biggest, you know, superstar in the world and, you know, grew up in East Philadelphia and then was, you know, on TV shows, won Grammys, and then was at the height of the world. And, you know, they asked them, um, you know, how did you do it, Will? Like, you know, how did you become this thing? And he said, well, I'm barely the best looking guy in the world. Um, I'm not the best actor by any stretch of the imagination, but I'll tell you what, if you and I get on a treadmill side by side, either you're getting off first or I'm going to die. You know, and so my mentality has always been, um just keep working but my work is my worship you know my work is um you know what i do to to contribute and to leave whatever that mark is you know and um that's what's that's really what's most important to me is that i can contribute and 
Um, you know, people live in our homes, businesses operate in our office buildings or in our industrial buildings. And um, I take that really seriously because that's where kind of the magic, you know, really, really happens. Um, but Mike Tyson said it best, you know, everybody is a plan until they, they get punched in the face. <laughs> but, you know, but but most people don't don't get back up. And I don't think, you know, I think there's a, a big misconception that people don't get back up um, because of willpower, because their heart was broken. Um, I've come to believe in my life that they don't have a strong enough why. You know, they don't have a real reason that's beyond themselves that has to do with growth and contribution. Um, it's something, you know, Jeff Bezos um, draws a dichotomy between two types of business people, mercenaries and missionaries. And if you're a mercenary in your business um, trying to make money and money is your sole focus, you know, the chances of failure are extremely high. But if you if you're doing something that you feel is important and necessary and is going to, you know, move the world forward, whether in a small way or in a big way, um, it's a pull. Like it's almost like something pulls you back up versus you having to push yourself. And um, I can differentiate the times in my life that, you know, hard work has kind of got us to great places. But um, I'd be remiss to tell you that there wasn't a lot of luck or a lot of providence or a lot of blessings that I couldn't imagine that I was be, be born in Austin, Texas, which is the hottest real estate market in the world right now. Um, and the main brokers that run the city are childhood friends. Like, you know, that's Providence. I mean, so there, there's a certain amount of, of luck and, you know, you hear the cliches, you know, the harder I work, the luckier I get. But um, I've been very lucky to have great people around me and great mentors that, um, that have helped me along the way. But my greatest mentors have been in books. And, you know, in this day and age, I mean, there's just so much on YouTube. And I know that sounds kind of cheesy, but you know, I watch YouTube all the time. Like you can watch MIT professors, you know, the greatest professors in the world talking about quantum mechanics all the way to, you know, real estate, what you name it, whatever you're in. Um, it's just this free resource that just, if you want knowledge, you know, in this generation, it's all really there. And, um, and I use that as much as I possibly can. But the more that I found that um, I've worked on myself, whether that's learning transcendental meditation, um, whether that's, um, you know, like um, you had mentioned uh, biohacking before, which um, is a word that I have a little bit of trouble with. Hacking, I think, has a little bit of a negative connotation. Um, so I've kind of, you know, used the word biooptimism and you know optimal health and they say on an airplane that you know you put the mask on your own face before you put it on the person next to you and that puzzled me you know for many many years until i kind of realized i was like oh it's not selfish for me to take care of myself because the better and stronger than i am the more that i can contribute and many years ago um you know, I started to feel my health decline in a pretty meaningful way and nothing cataclysmic, nothing, you know, a lot of people have, you know, especially during this time suffered tremendously from major health issues. But, um, you know, I felt my energy dipping. I was staying out really late, working hard on Wall Street. Um, 
And I found this tremendous age management doctor who is, you know, not only an investor, but one of my best friends that, um, you know, creates pharmaceutical grade vitamins for me based on my blood um, and exercising regularly, eating clean. And because I'd come home and I'd, you know, give my all at work and then I have nothing for my kids or my family. And, and I wasn't okay with that. And the more that I worked on myself and got my health right and got my energy levels up, um, I could show up at home and I can also show up, um, show up for my employees, show up for my staff and, you know, show up for our team. So constantly finding ways to um, have more energy, um, to have more equanimity, to have more calmness, to have more peace um, have really resonated tremendously in the business. Wow. That's so amazing. And I love that you spoke to that self-development and self-awareness of really working on self to be able to continue to level up and show up not only for yourself, but for your work, for your employees, for, you know, your career, your family, all the things, because you wear so many hats and do so much. And I think a lot of people, I know myself, you know, as an entrepreneur, like I had to have a lot of those hard crashing moments till I started realizing like, I've got to do more self-work, be more self-aware in order to continue to thrive because this whole idea of just going, 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 I would just burn out and wouldn't understand why. It's, B, it's BS. I mean, we, we, you know, in this, in this culture, you know, it's almost like we glorify stress. Like, and we glorify these, you know, sleeping less and working harder. And, um, you know, I didn't sleep well for probably the first, you know, maybe 20 years of my life. Um, but I've come to, after reading Ariana Huffington's book, The Sleep Revolution, I started to think about sleep differently, like versus sleeping, thinking of sleep as um, time off from work, I started to see it as an investment. Is something that if I invest in my sleep, um, I can be more productive during the days and I can show up better. And a lot of times we need a paradigm shift of um, how we look at ordinary things. And, and it all comes down to fundamentals, um, whether that's, I'm, I'm not a huge sports guy, but we have tons of, you know, athletes, celebrity investors and um, I learn a lot from them and their work ethic and, you know, how they go about things because, you know, the natural law of what makes, you know, what creates greatness, whatever that is, um, they transcend whatever it is you're doing. It's, there's always going to be hard work. And I think a big problem that people face is they expect it to be easy. Like somehow, like we're surprised when something goes wrong, right? Like, like somehow we think to ourselves, okay, something went wrong and oh my God, this is happening to me. And there was this inflection point in my life where I realized that life was happening for me, not to me. And so these, um, and yeah, I'm a big student of Napoleon Hill and Tony Robbins and, um, you know, Jim Rohn and all the, the greats, you know, you know, cause look, a kid like me, um, I needed to lean on, you know, stand on the shoulders of giants. And, and I found the more, as we mentioned, that I could focus, put the onus on myself and being an English major, it's a beautiful essay by Ralph Waldo Emerson called Self-Reliance. 
And it wasn't until the moment that I put it all on my shoulders, not as a martyr, but, um, but just more, more taking responsibility and saying, okay, well, if something went wrong here, you know, what could we do better? Finding introspection, looking back into those failures, failures, because I've come to find that in those failures are really our greatest blessings because the, you know, success, I guess, that I've seen in my life um, really didn't teach me anything. You know, it was only in those failures of the things that didn't work out um, that I learned something. And, you know, we continue to make mistakes and we talk about it at the company all the time is, you know, we welcome mistakes, but you can't make the same mistake twice. Like make other mistakes, like, <laughs> like do other things, you know, screw other things up, but, um, but, but not the thing that you, that you screwed up that first time. And um, being a father, you know, I learned something about being a dad is that kids don't do what you tell them. Kids do what they see, you know, and they watch, they watch you. And it one of the really, you know, happy moments in my life was my son telling me, and I take a ridiculous amount of vitamins every day and, you know, eat clear, but look, I'm, I'm not a saint by any stretch of the imagination. And, um, I eat the way that I do so that if the kids want to eat pizza or, you know, going out for burgers or going out for whatever you can do it. And it's this kind of family experience and, you know, I want to enjoy my life. I'm not trying to win the health award. Right. <laughs> um, but, um, my son said to me, daddy, when I grow up, you know, I want to take vitamins like you, you know, and there was this funny moment where, where it just like a light bulb went off. I was like, oh, wow. And like, we work out in the gym, my trainers, you know, will come to the house. We have a gym in the, um, in our garage and, you know, one upstairs and the kids do exercises with us and, you know, they're in soccer and they're playing sports and, um, and it's, it's something really special when you can share the things that you didn't have or the things that you didn't know, um, you know, with the kids and them find so much fun in it. And I see myself like grunting, like through a workout and like <laughs> oh, wedding, you know, looking at my daughter doing over there and she's just laughing and joking and doing them. And I'm like, gosh, I need to take on that attitude. Like, you know, like if you learn, you learn a lot from them because kids are a lot smarter than um I think we give them credit for I say the same thing I feel like I learn from my daughters especially my toddler like every day I'm learning something I'm like okay what's the lesson I'm gonna be taught today <laughs> no it's true and and I think my kids really uh, my oldest in particular and my son being you know it being five and him more and more um have kind of taught me how to be a dad if that makes sense you know taught dad we're supposed to play a game together tonight or you know we're supposed to go and have movie night and and you know things that I hadn't thought about and those early years I missed a lot of those years being in the office and obviously I worked super long hours I'm on the road and um, but thank God for FaceTime and you know thank God for their wonderful mother that um, you know that's so generous and kind and helps them understand that you know dad's out there you know trying to try to build a good life for them uh but you know but but passing along what what we've learned or what i've learned um brings a tremendous amount of fulfillment because success 
you know, if you kind of draw the, draw the dichotomy, success is very much a science. Like if you look at going to college, you know, you have a syllabus, right? Like you take certain classes, you finish your classes, you get a degree. Fulfillment is trickier. You know, it's more of an art, right? Like, you know, finding a way that you feel good. And I find the times that um, I feel the best selfishly is when I'm doing something for someone else, even if it's, you know, a simple good morning. I find a good morning is this like little practice that if I'm kind of in a bad mood and you're in the morning or whatever, and someone's walking by and say, hey, good morning. Okay, good morning. And like, this is like little things because um, the little things really are the big things. And we've heard that cliche many times before, but I heard something beautiful the other day that, you know, small hinges swing big doors. I heard that too. <laughs> and I thought that was kind of cool. I was like, you know, it's actually, so it's not the big things or like, that one grandiose gesture or that one big deal that you do or that one big success, um, it's the little successes. Sometimes it's just being able to get up in the morning and make that meeting. And, you know, when you're tired and not wanting to get to the gym and, you know, making it that extra day or making that, you know, getting that extra rep in when you're exhausted or um, playing that fourth game of Uno that, you know, you know, you don't want to play. <laughs> and, yeah, I love that. Well, I mean, it sounds like you're very mindful of all that. And what did you say when you were talking to us? You said bio optimism instead of hacking, which I love because I love you put a real positive connotation on it. And then what was the type of meditation that you mentioned? So um, I practice a style called transcendental meditation and they call it TM for short. And what I loved about it is, you know, look, as much as, you know, I believe in the arts, I believe in a harmony between art and science, and we're very much a data analytics, you know, company, we have artificial intelligence specialists, data analysts, people way smarter than me. Um, but there's a marriage between, you know, between those things. What I loved about TM is, um, it's an ancient Vedic meditation that was brought over by, um, by a gentleman by the name of Maharshi um, in the 50s. And if you, you know, kind of get on Wiki or whatever, you'll see some of the most successful people in the world, whether Ray Dalio, um, who runs the largest hedge fund in the world, Bridgewater, um, they asked him, you know, what was the number one key to his success? And he said, transcendental meditation. You look at the Beatles, you look at Jerry Seinfeld and Ellen DeGeneres. I mean, I mean, the list just goes on and on. Um, but what I loved about it is not only the results that I get and um, the, the calmness of mind, um, that moment of, because we live in this world where we're constantly doing, right? Like you're doing, you're doing, you're doing, you're doing. But this meditation practice is a moment to just kind of be and just exist and just have a little bit of silence um and for me it's been unbelievably healing because you know at one point they're like oh you should take uh, adderall or you should take xanax or this or you know your high pressure job and you know all that felt like band-aids on you know what i was after and um 
the meditation was pretty incredible because it's been studied at over 180 universities across the world. They have EKG scans showing what it does to your brain, what it does to your hormone levels. And so it's, um, and it's the most studied form of meditation. And there's a lot of different, you know, great ones there. Um, we've heard about mindfulness and guided meditations and all those things. And I'm sure there's a lot of great benefits to a lot of them. Um, but this is by far the most studied. I mean, so after reading hundreds and hundreds of studies from all over the world, um, the benefits on the physical body and, you know, and there's a esoteric level to it too. You know, I'm a pretty spiritual guy. Most people that know me know that, um, I find the beauty in all religions and all practices. And, um, to me, honestly, they're, they're kind of all saying the same thing in, in some way, shape or form. So wh whichever one that you choose to practice, and if you choose to practice it, um you know there's beauty in all of them in, in my experience i have friends of all religions all races all genders um and you know but this for me was was really powerful because a marriage between something that i found to be deeply spiritual but also deeply scientific and so i felt it in my own experience but had the science to back it. And, um, and now I'm in the process of getting one of the most advanced techniques that I've been working on for about two years. And um, sometimes my meditations are 40 minutes in the morning, 40 minutes in the afternoon. And um, there's this kind of old saying about meditation that if you don't have 20 minutes to meditate, you should meditate for an hour. <laughs> you know, and, and it's um, another investment, right? Because you know, we are our most important asset, like you, we are all we have, you know, our children, our businesses, these things, um, they're not our own, right? I mean, if you, if we really think about it, they're of us and we love them, but um, they'll grow up to be their own people and they have their own thoughts and, you know, their own beliefs and as parents, um, just loving them and and providing um, maybe guidelines or parameters um, and showing them the optionalities and letting them use their own decision making to find what path best serves them um, is kind of a creed that um, that we've stuck to as parents and just kind of choosing just to love them and and let them and let them be themselves because they blow my mind every day because, you know, their interests are different. We share commonalities. We like some of the same music, we like some of the same stuff. We're also very different that um, I want them to be them and I want them to be their own people. And as a father, um, I just feel like my job is to just show them what those options are and just say, oh, this is over here. This exists over here. There's certain fundamentals, like I said, of, you know, eat your vegetables and move your body and, um, you know, have integrity and um, things of those nature that I think are universal human conditions. But beyond those fundamentals, it's about, you know, letting them, letting them find their path. And as parents, um, honoring that, you know, more than supporting it, honoring it and knowing that what's within them is holy and, um, you know, giving them the strength to follow their own dreams. Cause a lot of times, 
um, you know, we're stifled, you know, we're stifled by the people around us, even though they love us so much, you know, or grandma giving you, you know, that comfort food or that, you know, whatever, you know, meal or pancakes or this, that, and the other that comes from a deep place of love, but, you know, that's high glycemic and spikes my blood sugar and my doctor wouldn't like that, um, <laughs> you know, and just kind of try to pass on whatever truths, um that we found but at the same time just being cognizant of what's an opinion and what's a fact um you know uh, Scalia one of my favorite you know Supreme Court justices um who is famous for his dissenting arguments you know said you know everybody's entitled to their own opinions but they're not entitled to their own facts and there, there's certain pieces there that um that I think transcend being a father, being a parent, um, and being an adult and living this human condition and trying to find a balance between them. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you spoke to really honoring, you know, your children, because I tell it to my husband all the time when it comes to our girls, I'm like, I just want to honor them and let them be themselves and let them evolve into who they are. And of course, like you said, the guidelines and everything, but I think there's something it's a lot of people consider it, you know, more conscious parenting, you know, being a little bit more aware in that respect of what you were saying, but it's true. It's like letting them evolve into who they are. So I'm curious from that meditation, I'm going to have to look that up because I do a sure. guided meditation I, myself. I not recommend it more. Like if there's anything and I'm, you know, at this point in my life, you know, the, the more that I know, I feel like the, the less I know. You know, you know, it's funny how that kind of works. Um, but I'm reluctant to give it, it advice per se, because, um, you know, you don't have all the perspectives. Like, you know, you don't like, I know what's true or I hope to know um, what's true for me, but, you know, with children or friends or colleagues, you know, sharing your truth from a place of deep authenticity, a place of deep personal integrity. And to me, personal integrity is keeping the promises that I, that I make to myself more so than anything. Um, but you know, I'm reluctant to kind of give advice per se, because I feel like it's um, just a little bit pretentious because you don't know another person's condition. But in my life, I can tell you that the transcendental meditation has been life altering beyond belief. And I've yet to meet somebody that went and practiced it or learned the practice. And there's local clinic, you know, local, um, you know, uh, schools pretty much in every city in the US. And I'm very close to the foundation. I'm a large contributor to their foundation. Um, we'll find massive benefits um in doing it i've yet to find someone that i recommended um to do it that didn't find tremendous benefits um to the practice that's amazing yeah i'll have to definitely check it out because i've done a ton of our meditations and guided meditations that i've been really enjoying for quite a few years now and even just meditation in general that mindfulness that you speak of that self-awareness 
really changed my life as well. Like I noticed how much I was more at peace and how I would honor myself and my time and create more sacred boundaries that I wasn't aware I wasn't doing. And so I love that. So I'm definitely going to get into that. And I want to get into, like you said, the biohacking, biooptimism, as you described it as, which I, I like that word. A lot of people don't know what that is. I want to hear from your perspective what it is and why you are such a fan of it. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, so when we talk about biohacking, which has become a pretty big buzzword, the intention behind the word is very pure and very beautiful. And it's about, you know, optimal health. And it's about finding ways to um, be more productive, to be to live a healthier lifestyle, to, um, you know, use technology and machines um, to whether it's cryotherapy, you know, as an example that you've heard a lot of people talk about or hyperbaric chambers or, um, you know, certain types of vitamins. And, um, so the intention is, is beautiful of, of finding just this optimal wellness and this optimal health. Um, but you know, I'm not after perfection. I'm after excellence. You know, I find that perfection is actually a lie you know, in many ways, um, you know, perfection is of something that is certainly not me. Um, you know, if you ask my opinion, it's of, um, of, of a higher source of what, of what perfect, um, you know, perfect could be. Um, but I'm after, I'm after excellence and, and that, and that starts with the physical body. And if you don't feel good, you know, when we've all experienced it, whether it's having a toothache or whether it's having, you know, something, um, you know, having the flu or, or something even more dramatic, nothing else really matters, you know, or yet I, I used to get migraines really bad and um, I still get them from time to time when I haven't drank enough water, or, um, you know, you know, not taking care of myself as well as I should, as you know, I think a lot of us are guilty of, certainly I am. Um, but when you have that migraine headache, you're not thinking about, you know, anything other than your head hurts. And, you know, and so for me, that bio-optimism comes from bio-optimal, like optimizing um, my physiology, optimizing spirituality, optimizing myself and whatever, whatever technology will allow me to do that. In. And there's several modalities um, but it really comes down to how we eat and how we move um, and whatever our spiritual practice is. And again, that's, you know, that's my path. You know, I, there's, you know, many beautiful people that I know that, um, you know, that are atheists or see the world in a different route and they're beautiful human beings and um, to each their own. And I think that's the beauty of, of our country or of our ability to have free will. Um, but for me, you know, balancing that mental, spiritual, physical aspect is the essence of what bio-optimism means to me is having an optimistic view of what the future could hold um, that doesn't mean not running stress tests. That doesn't mean not running the numbers and figuring out all those different scenarios of how things could go wrong and preparing for them. Um, same with being on the road. Like if I'm on the road traveling, like right now I have a stack of vitamins this big that I'm traveling. Wow. <laughs> that, that's a couple of, that's a couple of days, but you know, <laughs> like, you know, prepare a couple of days. Wow. 
about 150 a day. Wow. That's yeah, a so, lot to commit to. Um, yeah, but I only got one me, right? That's right. Yeah. But still, I mean, to hear that out loud, you know, 150 a day, like that's, that's a lot. To commit. I take four and I feel like I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot to take one. <laughs> Did uh um if you were to if you were to Google my name as cheesy as that sounds if you Google Ari Rastigar GQ they did a big big story um on kind of my vitamin regimen because they kind of didn't believe it and um, ended up actually talking to my age management doctor and getting some verification around that but um, but these vitamins are made for me in a compounding pharmacy so after testing my blood every 60, 90 days. Uh, it's the equivalent of like a, you know, a custom suit for my body. So if I'm short and it's constantly changing, if I have too much vitamin D or my testosterone's a little too high, or if, you know, I'm short and I need more fish oil or more vitamin K, you know, and it's, so it's this, it's almost like an orchestra, right? It's like a little more of this, a little less of this, a little more of that. Um, and it gives me the ability to, um, to get up and do it again and keep doing it again. And um, it's what I love. And, and one of those blessings is I know that um, I'm on a life path that brings me joy and brings me fulfillment. And I get to interact with beautiful people and every day and, you know, uh, taking on a role where I can kind of pass on some of the um, you know, the subtitle of the book, I mean, the book's called The Gift of Failure, but the subtitle is uh, take my missteps and turn them into your success, you know, and so kind of like, you know, don't, you don't, don't need to touch the fire that it, to, you know, to know that it burns, um, but um, just sharing a lot as much of that as I possibly can. And um, what I tell people is, look, if we talk, we have a deep conversation. And if there's anything in there that that fits uh, your constitution and fits your creed, just take that one little nugget and take it, run with it and throw the rest in the garbage. Right. Like it's, you know, it, it's like whatever um, or if there's nothing, there's nothing. And it was, you know, it's fine. But, um, you know, we're we're all looking for other puzzle pieces because we don't have all the answers. And when you sit with beautiful people that um, have, have had different life experiences, I always kind of joke, I'm like, okay, well, I have these puzzle pieces in my pocket. Which ones do you have? It's like, you know, okay, well, oh, you have that one. I'll trade you or, you know, <laughs> that one or whatever. Have you tried this workout? No, I've never heard of that before. Did you read that book? Do I read that book? I've read this one. You want to trade? You know, it's this constant, um just really just learning from each other and um and using that as as a creed because for me one of the biggest missteps that I made in my life was kind of being ego driven especially as an investor of wanting to be right you know of wanting to have the right answer and it wasn't until I was after um the right answer not needing to be right per se um, that the business really started to take a turn and, um, you know, we're well, well on our way into the billions. And, um, and that to me is obviously it's, it's a, it's a big number, but, um, I'm just getting started and it's only a reflection. I'd like to believe of the value we've created of, you know, the homes of the renovations of, you know, you know, because it, it's a mission for us. And 
Um, I tell people like, oh, I want to be very wealthy. And, you know, my answer always is, well, if you want to be very wealthy, you want to start a business, solve a big problem. The bigger the problem you solve, the more money you make, you know, find something that people struggle with or that whatever that can make their lives easier or a product that you can get at a, you know, at a better value. Um, and the bigger that problem is and the bigger and the more amount of people or, um, or companies that need that solution, money will come, you know, but it's a byproduct of creating value and solving problems, um, solving problems for people. Well, I love all that you shared, but I really took away from that was how you said, you know, that ego driven and that, that switch. And a lot of people I feel go through that, you know, really ego driven, ego minded center because society kind of tells us to be that way. And, you know, it's actually like completely opposite and complete bullshit. And when you collaborate and come together, and like you said, you learn, you open yourself up and you really stick to your why and you're of service in some way, shape or form from what I've seen, that is really part of the switch. And it sounds like so much of that also for yourself, Ari, and like from your own, you know, like soul journey and all the work you've done. When did you realize that you were coming from an ego-driven place and how did you create that shift for yourself? Because I don't think many actually are really aware of it. I know I even wasn't before I became a mom and that's actually when I did become so self-aware. I'm exactly with you. It's when I became a father. It's, I mean, that, that was the, that was the inflection point. You nailed it. And I think that's, very much the human condition. I remember when our daughter was born and um, that was it. I, I knew in that moment that my life was not just my own anymore. And um, there was this other little, little person that, you know, my life was, I was going to have to support, but not just support financially, you know, but support in a way that um, my life was, going to be for her and and then all of a sudden that blossomed into a light bulb kind of like you said of saying oh my goodness so if my life is for her in that regard could that mean that you know my life should be for my employees that means should it be for my tenants should it be um for my investors should you know and like I said back to that humility quote is you know you know true humility is not thinking less of myself it's thinking less about myself and so you know i'd like to believe that i have confidence in what i do and you know i'm confident in what my mission is um but you know you kind of got to know what you're going to do and why you're going to do it and how is done your business you know how it's going to happen you should be very very focused you know, on what your goal is. And I'm big into goal setting and, um, you know, having a destination, but I'm also big on being goalless, you know, being in love with the process, you know, being in love with, um, you know, the turbulence that comes and, you know, knowing that there's valleys and there's peaks and um, we see it in the markets, we see it in our own lives, you know, just the life cycle of being young and growing and, you know, the seasons, like meaning fundamental truths, like are evident in everywhere that you look, right? Like whether it's in seasons, like we see, you know, spring, summer, then you see winter when things are dying. Um, and then you watch spring when things blossom and they like, it, it's, 
you know, it's understanding that life cycle of kind of where we are, you know, our parents take care of us when we're kids and then we take care of our parents when they get older. Um, but it's becoming, um, I think like you, you've mentioned the word aware a lot, but being aware of these fundamental truths that, um, that resonate through all of them. And if you follow those truths, I believe, no matter what your endeavor is in life, whether it's being a great parent or um, you know, being a great business person um, or whatever endeavor you choose in your life, um, knowing what the human condition is and being conscious of that, being aware of it, um, but also being very gentle with yourself. You know, I think I was very, um, my inner dialogue was very toxic and I found myself, you know, just berating myself for certain things, for failures, for not being perfect, you know, quote unquote, as we said, um, but finding a way to be nicer to myself and giving myself a little bit of grace. And I'm still not very good at that, but uh, you know. <laughs> I was going to say, let me know, let me know how it works out for you, because I'm still working on it. <laughs> yeah. so it's definitely peeling an onion. Um, you know, but I, I find a place in my inner dialogue where, you know, I'll get to that point where, you know, you're being negative and, you know, you're, you know, whatever, you're beating yourself up and we can all, you know, relate to that. But then finding a place that I learned from my coach, Miss um, Lauren Zander, if you don't know who she is, I mean, she has a TED Talk. She's unbelievable. I mean, one of the most amazing women amazing human beings I've ever met in my life. We've been together 10 years. She coaches the Hugh Jackmans of the world and the I mean, it's massive people. And I don't know what she's doing with me, but, <laughs> but you know, she has this technique of when you catch yourself in that thought pattern or that negative dialogue, that inner dialogue, having your higher self speak to that inner dialogue and saying, shut up. Just saying, stop. Like, this that's not true stop it comes <laughs> like a, a pattern interrupt like you're, you're stuck in this pattern this merry-go-round um and i think we're all guilty of it i i, I certainly am uh, you know and it's uh and i hate when people say i shouldn't say hate i don't hate anything but um I dislike when people think it's, you know, take it one day at a time. It's really one second at a time. It's really one minute at a time. It's um, the decisions that we make back to that small hinges, swing big doors. It's, you know, putting that smile on your face or how you're answering that call or in the middle of that call, did you choose to let your lesser self answer? that question that annoyed you or you know did you answer with compassion did you show love um you know because we've come in this macho you know kind of i gotta be tough all the time and um you know although i've been a martial artist a wrestler a boxer uh lord knows that you know these knuckles have been broken quite a few times um I've taken plenty in the face too, but <laughs> no, but I found that just staying open, you know, staying open. And even if those arrows come or not, even if when they come, um, 
you know, just still staying open because when you start to close off and shuttering those shoulders and not leading with heart, um, good things don't happen, you know, and learning to embrace that pain and being comfortably uncomfortable. And you've heard people say that recently. It's, you know, I've seen it, you know, again, almost become cliched, but, you know, they call it growing pains for a reason. You know, I mean, you know, as children, we physically have growing pains, like physically you feel your bones growing. And as we grow and expand in this world and find a place of discomfort, um, if you're in integrity and you're doing things that um, you believe are of a righteous endeavor, even if they turn out not to be, but, you know, if you believe that they are pushing through is where those breakthroughs are. Like, that's when you find, um, you know, you find solace and you find grace. And um, that's really what I'm after now. You know, I'm after, I'm after peace. And to me, that doesn't mean that I can't build a multi-trillion dollar business because to me, that means jobs. That means that we're doing good things. That means we're helping people, uh, whether it's creating communities or building technology and, um, doing those things so to me profit's not a dirty word you know profit um the aristocracy was meant to exist to help was meant to you know be a pillar to create opportunity um you know richard branson you know who i admire tremendously talks about training his employees so well that they can leave and go start their own companies um and if the culture's right they won't want to leave but they could you know, and not holding things back and living in this world of abundance instead of scarcity, knowing that there's enough for everybody. So why, you know, why hold back whatever things I've learned or why hold back, you know, trade secrets or, you know, whatever those things are, it's just, um, you know, leading with, um, leading with more heart value. And I know Wall Street guys like me aren't supposed to talk like that, but um, but I found that that's been, um, that's been a saving grace for me. That's amazing. And I, I love that about you and everything you shared. And I'm curious, you talked about, you know, the higher self and then of course the ego and sad dance that we obviously all have to do and work through. And it sounds like with your coach and everything, you found some really great ways to be able to work through that and find harmony in that being who you know you are now and all your accomplishments, everything you've gone through and you continue to build and do, what would you tell, you know, your younger ego-driven self who was sitting there like, oh, you know, I just want, you know, this, and I just want that, you know, and, and here you are now almost to like, you know, the trillions, like, I mean, that's a huge accomplishment. You know, what would you say to that younger person? Because I think so many listening could really value from that. That's, yeah, um, kind of embarrassing honestly um you know i would tell i would tell my lesser self that um or my younger self that first to be gentle to be kind especially to myself um and i think most importantly um I wouldn't remember that ego and remember the fine line between ego and confidence because, um, because confidence is important and real confidence, 
you know, comes from being comfortable in your own skin. And I never really was at an early age. I wanted to, you know, kind of be like this group or that group or kind of uh, find some level of conformity and um, just to feel accepted. And I always felt like kind of like an outsider. I never was too great at sports and was kind of, you know, awkward looking as a kid. And, um, you know, we all have our, you know, our sob stories that turn into blessings, but, um, but letting myself know that it, it'll pass and, and finding ways um, to channel my behavior towards constructive behavior, because during those other years, I was reckless. Um, I was arrogant um, and arrogance, you know, comes from a place of, of um, you know, of lack of confidence. It's, it's in fact the opposite. And um, I'd hope that I'd find humility and I'd hope I'd find more kindness and um, kind of telling myself, just stay the path and it'll happen and it'll get there. Um, but be true to my own inner voice and not listen to, um, look, having advisors and having people to talk to is great. Um, but I, I don't regret anything because I know it got me, you know, to wherever I am, good, bad, or indifferent. But I, um, I would tell my younger self to listen to my inner voice, like, listen, listen to what is in my head, like listen to what is in me. And at least I know when I make the mistake, which I would, that it was mine, that I wasn't pushed into something because I was supposed to, or my dad told me I was supposed to do this, or, you know, X, Y, Z professor said, do that. Or your friends told you like, um, know that what's inside of me is holy to me and learn to listen to my own voice and know that I have a voice, even if it's a whimper, um, it's still a voice and it's mine. And that all, all of us have that voice. We've just been trained, whether through, you know, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist or anything like that, but, you know, through media and propaganda and marketing and just the shock therapy that we see constantly um, we lose our inner voice and people say, I've lost myself. And you hear these little things happen. Um, but I wish I would have listened to myself more and followed my gut and followed where my heart led me and not try to be so logical um, in things, but finding solace and, um, and listening to what was, inside of, what was inside of me and being authentic. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you spoke about that because, you know, like you said, it's not conspiracy. I mean, it's very much real that the mainstream media only gives you certain things. Propaganda is constantly in your face. You're being sold for better or for worse all the time. And a lot of times we're being sold at lower, you know, densities and frequencies of fear and lack and judgment and all these things that really just aren't true of ourselves. Like you said, if you listen to your inner voice, you listen to your intuition, you know, you're lead by your heart and not by the ego and the external, you do find so much more value. And I also too, when I became a mom, started realizing that and had a huge shift and still do. And I like surprised myself and laughed myself. I'm like, oh, I was actually making this a lot harder than it was. <laughs> 
you know, and, and, and it's really true. We're, you know, we are our worst enemies. And, you know, that inner dialogue um, and one of the tools that, that I learned from my coach was, you know, getting that inner dialogue out, writing it out and just, you know, and it's funny, once you write your inner dialogue in your head, it sounds so normal and it sounds so uh, precise, but when you see it on paper, it looks just so ridiculous. <laughs> um, I wish I would learn that tool um, a little bit earlier, but you're right. You know, they asked Nikola Tesla um, about the universe and said, how, how do you explain the universe? He said, think, think in terms of energy, wavelength, and frequency. And we know through quantum physics, quantum mechanics, that um, higher level emotions like love and compassion and trust and um they your body reacts differently they did this beautiful study you probably know about of this group of buddhist monks that put the water in front of them and they sent them these positive emotions and they looked at it under a microscope and you saw the water actually transcend these beautiful structures and then they sent so these cool. all this right it's beautiful um and our bodies are between 70 to 90 percent water so those thoughts that we have that if we can transcend that into a glass of water you know what is that doing to our biome like what is that doing to our to our physicality and um energy is real you know and it's it's not something that's some esoteric woo idea anymore you know, someone walks into a room, you have a conversation, you don't know them and immediately like, oh, I like her. She's, you know, she's really nice. Or, you know, I like that guy, you know, or, and, or someone comes in and says all the right words and dresses the part. And you're just like, mm, you know, but, but I've come to, you know, trust my gut. And I, and I would tell people, and by the way, and this is again, science, I mean, there's more neurons in your, in your gut than there are in your brain. I mean, they call it your second brain for a reason. And um, I don't think you should walk around just following whatever your, your, your gut tells you, you should check that with logic. Um, but I wish that more people would follow their intuition and they would follow um what was inside of them because we all have um we all have our gifts you know we all have our blessings and it's our duty or i believe um it's my duty to to share those and find a way to listen to them and um be gentle with myself as i mentioned when uh when i fail which is inevitable and um being okay with knowing that it's not always going to work out, um, but also knowing from a higher state of consciousness that this thing not working out is opening up the pathway for something bigger and more grand. Um, the Yiddish have a great saying that I'm sure, um, you know, you know, the Yiddish have that great saying that man plans, God laughs. Yep. I love you know? that. Yep, my dad always says it to me. Yeah, <laughs> there's an amazing amount of truth, um, you know, in that in that in that saying. So yes, you make your plans, and 
um, you know, you lay out your business plan, but I've yet to see a business plan that actually worked out exactly the way the business plan was written. It's either less or more like it's not, you know, it's not exactly what it is. You're making assumptions, right? And an assumption isn't exactly that. It's, it's a guess. It's a calculated guess, you know, um, based upon, you know, whatever variables or knowledge or information that you have that, you know, we as risk managers and investment managers, we do every day and I'm maniacal about it. Um, but at the same time, you know, there's been deals that I've looked at where the numbers penciled perfect and I passed on the deal and there's been deals that the numbers looked okay. And then I walked the property and felt like I saw something there that uh, was beyond the spreadsheet and, you know, and they worked out and, um, the energy you spoke to. Yeah, yeah, it is. Or, or as a real estate person, walking the neighborhoods, getting to know the people, you know, watching the change that maybe the numbers aren't speaking to specifically, um, but um, but finding a marriage and finding a harmony between what's logical and mathematical and what is intuitive. And they're not mutually exclusive, you know, and I think that we've come to draw this stark dichotomy between um, those two things, that intuition or that vision or that idea of what we think could be um, versus what's logical or mathematical. I saw this um, hedge fund guy the other day, um, yeah, being a little bit crass, but it was funny, he said, if, you know, if you know, running a hedge fund was all about math, mathematicians would all be billionaires. You know, so, you know, so there's an element um, that goes, that goes into these things of, um, of intuition. And I think part of my journey is, um, is learning to find harmony between those two and reconciling them in, in a beautiful way and using those two superpowers um, to unite. And, you know, and that's, um, you know. Yeah, no, beautifully said. And, I, you know, you said it earlier when we were talking about your kids and how, you know, you notice that your kids do more of watching you than actually listening maybe and doing just what they're told. So watching you and getting to see all the incredible things that, you know, you're doing and everything you do with your business and your mindfulness and meditation and all the different things. What do you notice with them? I mean, they're still, of course, young, but what do you notice as far as, you know, daily habits or anything? I'll tell you, you know, so um, we're, they get it, you know, they get it. And they're very respectful of it too. And you know, it, was, it was funny when, when my daughter was, I think like five years old, I was meditating and I was sitting up in the chair and they know the difference between meditating and sleeping and that is meditating. And my daughter <laughs> my ear and goes, daddy, are you meditating? You know, and I'm just, just sitting there. Yeah. She's like, okay, okay. You know, but but the point is like they've they have respect for it, you know, and they see me reading or they see me working and um they they have a certain level of understanding and a certain amount of love. And you know, my daughter, um, you know, recently I came home really late from work and she's kind of a night owl like me and you know, having the good mommy that she is, is very disciplined about her going to bed on time and getting up early. And she's kind of a night owl like me. And so I came home really late and, 
um you know they you know put out dinner for me at the thing and i'm you know dead tired i'm sitting there just kind of eating and i hear this little voice at the top of the staircase i kind of look up and my daughter's mommy sleeping like yeah she sleeps okay she kind of tiptoes downstairs and um she kind of rubs my shoulder a little bit just sitting there with me and she's like daddy you worked real hard today i'm like yeah she goes you know one day when i'm ceo you go to bed at eight o'clock. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> they're already planning on kicking me out of the company and they're already planning on, you know, <laughs> they wear their Rastigar gear and they're in the office and they're repping the team, but they, they have a respect for, um, you know, for work and, and they know, um, they know what I'm doing and, you know, their mother, you know, obviously has done an incredible job of, um, of being gentle with them, of knowing, you know, why is daddy not home? Is he traveling? What is he doing? He's making money. He's working for us. He's building for us. And, um, you know, so very much take, takes a village, but um, they know the vitamins are important. They know meditation is important. You know, they know they shouldn't be you know, drinking their the sugars and when, you know, yeah, their tummy hurts, you know, they're a little cough up to, yeah, I ate some Fritos and, kind of, you know, and so they're very, very aware um, of those things. And I created an audio um, of doing affirmations or incantations that I did and I recorded them in a music, in a, in a recording studio on the way to school in the morning, we'll scream them at the top of our lungs. You know, all I need is within me now and I'm happy and healthy and full of energy and, um, you know, putting your hands over your head and just kind of screaming them and like, they'll get in a bad mood and I'll turn on the little audio and be like, okay, you know, and you can watch their state change um, and just including them in, in those practices and sharing those tools with them. And, um, if the trainer's over exercising, letting them kind of do whatever they're doing in the corner, like working on their posture therapy or, you know, playing soccer and, you know, just kind of just being involved and, and watching it, um, you know, watching it evolve is um, been really special of just letting them be a part of what of what that is um, and talking to them about it as well and explaining some of it um, in the process. But they're um, they're pretty remarkable kids. You know, I know we are all a little biased against our kids, but um but ours are pretty special. <laughs> I bet. And I love that. I do that with my a toddler, Amelia. We do affirmations in the mirror every day and she asks for them. And she goes to the mirror with me and we spray for a little like rose reset, you know, rose spray to bring in nice aura. And then we say, you know, affirmations and she loves it. House together and, you know, do it all the stuff. And I'm right there with you. And um, and I think there's a lot more people in this generation that, um, that share those core values and sharing them with the kids. And, um, I just, I, I, that's why I'm really optimistic about the future, you know, because there's more consciousness now than there's ever been. And, you know, you have the choice every day to look at the negative or the positive or pick which side you want to look on, but, 
um, having conversations like this and, you know, knowing that very successful people like yourself are out there teaching their kids these things and um, makes me believe that, you know, if we had those things when we were young, you know, who knows, right? And yeah. you know, <laughs> like I would change anything, but I just, it's just a beautiful thing to know that if they're getting this at one and five and eight and two in these younger ages, uh, what they'll be able to contribute and what they'll be able to learn and the consciousness they'll have around their bodies and what they put in their bodies and, um, you know, kind of how they see the world um, makes me very, very optimistic that we can leave the world in a much better place than we found it. I love that. And I completely agree with you. I've said that to my husband, I'm like, there's so much more consciousness and higher conscious beings, like the children, you know, and everything. And they're really bringing like the light and that consciousness to the world. And they're continuing to up level it. And I just think it's so cool when you get to have these conversations with people who are on that wavelength. Cause it's so funny when, you know, you talk to certain people and they look at you like consciousness, what are you talking about? And like, they give you this like crazy look, you know, and you're right. like, but it's a real thing, you know, energy's real frequency's real. Like you spoke about Tesla, you know, it's just, it's so interesting. Science now, like this is beyond the woo-woo kind of, you know, um, I use the word hippie, but you know, maybe that's politically incorrect. But, you know, it, it's just, it, it's science has proven these things now. Like we know now, like Amy Cuddy did that beautiful TED Talks, and I'm sure she talked about power posing and putting your hands over your head and how that increases confidence and testosterone and um, how we talk to ourselves, how we show up um you know our posture our you know th these this is this is not this is science now we we know that it, it's real it's 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 as it's the most real thing that um that we can do you know the rest is you know it's all about that inner work like the inner work that we do um resonates outward you know, and we all know it when the day you're having a great day and you walk in and you're peppy and all of a sudden that infectious attitude just kind of flourishes through the office or flourishes through the grocery store, you know, or wherever it is that you're showing up, you know, even with the kids or, you know, our mommy's in a good mood today or dad's in a good mood or, or vice versa. You look at the other side of it. Um, that's energy. That's attitude. Like pick whatever word you want to pick. Um, but you know, one of the beautiful things about being human, um, is we have the choice, like we have that choice and it's sometimes a tough choice. And sometimes you gotta, you know, pick yourself up off your face and smack your cheeks and make them rosy. And, um, you know, we hope we all do it. Those of us that are, um, that are aspiring for things that, um, that are bigger than us. Uh, but you have a choice and, um, and those choices I said, aren't day to day. They're, they're minute to minute, they're second to second, you know, um, you know, even in conversations like this, all of a sudden someone can say something that, you know, hurts your feelings. And all of a sudden you're just, you know, grumpy and body language changes. And, you know, then all of a sudden the whole thing is thrown off. Right. And, and so it's, it's important that, um, like you mentioned many times, self-awareness and how are you going to show up? And 
Um, it's something I ask myself often, especially if I'm kind of in a crummy mood or I'm tired or I'm walking into a meeting. I kind of have that little Ari pep talk. I'm like, so Ari, are we going to show up as, you know, like a little wuss or, you know, are you going to go in and, you know, be <laughs> tired coming home from work and the kids want to jump all over you? You know, part of me wants to just go lie on my face and just, you know, shut out the world. But then you think, oh, well, these, the kids are here and you got them there and you take that moment. And, um, you know, Tony Robbins talks about, he does this thing where you make your move, like he says. So I have a little thing where I kind of like do this little snap thing and I kind of like a snap of the thing. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, go in there and, and make it happen. Um, you know, and we find those, you know, good triggers and bad triggers. And um, at this point in my life, I know all my demons by their first name. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Because we've become, uh, we've become. Uh, I wouldn't. I don't want to say friends, but we're definitely, we're definitely acquaintances and know each other well. So when they start peeking their heads out, I can be like, "All right, Larry, you know, none <laughs> of your shit today." So <laughs> I love that. That's amazing, Demon Bunny. But it's true. I mean, and I just love how self-aware you are. I mean. Ari, I could talk to you for hours. I want you to tell us really quick before I let you go a little bit about your book that's coming out because I am going to clearly have to get it because I'm like, wow, there's so much to know about you. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you having me and uh, it means a lot to me. I've watched a lot of stuff that you've done and it's pretty remarkable. And Thank you. Definitely, I'm definitely a fan. So I'm, I'm, I'm watching, I'm watching, I'm cheering from the sidelines. Uh, but the book should come out in June um and i'll definitely uh definitely get you a copy of it and hopefully that it won't be a, a waste of 164 pages hopefully you'll find <laughs> but but you won't you won't hear much about any of the you know quote unquote success that i've had in my life um it'll all be about the blunders and it kind of ends with like a lesson of like what i learned from that or what came out of that or uh, what I thought to be a failure, looking back on it years down the road, Steve Jobs used to say that, you know, you can't connect the dots moving forward. You have to connect them going backwards. Um, and being a country boy from Texas, born and raised, uh, Garth Brooks has a great song called Unanswered Prayers. And, you know, you might know the song, but, you know, effectively the premise is, you know, thank God for unanswered prayers, you know, because sometimes we don't know um we don't know what's best for us in that regard or you find that failure you're late to that meeting but you know what if you got an accident if you got there on time or you missed that light or um you know and so just being at peace with that present moment and um you know because right i mean the past is gone and the future's a promise you know so you have these moments when you can you know talk to people that are of your tribe of people that share your similar belief and your core value and um you know hopefully hopefully someone um will listen or hear it or share it and um because to me at this point in my life um if there's anything modest that i can share that can help i'd like to you know um and and if not i hope they turn it off really quickly because i <laughs> Therapy. Um, I don't think I stopped talking. So um, <laughs> I didn't talk much for many years, but now I just won't shut up. So feel free to shut me up at any time. 
I love it. No, this has been so inspiring and so amazing. I'm literally like filled up, like going into the rest of my evening, like, okay, now what am I going to do? I, I love it. Uh, tell us, you know, where we can find you, follow you, plug yourself, pimp yourself out, tell everyone where they can find the book, all that good stuff. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Um, I'm really new to um, uh, social media and all that kind of stuff. My little brother told me that I had a verified Instagram recently, and I didn't really know what that meant. <laughs> Started to learn a little bit more about those things. Uh, we've been in the press a lot um, with the Wall Street Journal and Forbes and GQ and those things, and not really... Um, was my intention, but um, it kind of cookie kind of crumbled that way. But if you just Google Rastigar or Ari Rastigar, go to at Rastigar is my Instagram handle, which I know now. Um, <laughs> um, uh, you can find us pretty easily, and um, the book will be out in June. And I'll certainly share with you um, as we get a little bit closer. We're going to do a pretty cool launch party that I'd love for you to join and. Um, we have some pretty special things planned. Um, we're gonna have a microphone set up where some of um, my dearest friends that are some of the biggest, you know, athletes, celebrities, singers, pension fund owners, they're gonna go up on the mic and they're gonna share their failures. You know, they're gonna share some of their blunders and um, you're gonna have, you know, six foot seven linebackers, you know, you know, maybe in tears. <laughs> and so, um, there's a lot of power in that vulnerability, but we'll definitely stay in close contact. And um, if there's anything I can ever do for you, please let me know. Oh, well, thank you. This was so amazing, guys. Everything will be in the show notes to find Ari and his socials. You guys can follow and check it out. And the name of your book again, Ari, for that's coming out in June? It's called The Gift of Failure. The Gift of Failure. Amazing. Well, this has been so inspiring, guys. I hope you were taking notes the entire time because <laughs> I will be re-listening to this one and taking my own notes. And guys, like Ari said, you know, be confident, be vulnerable, be open, and be you. There was just so much gold in this episode. We can't thank you enough, Ari, for everything you shared. Until next time, guys. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening to Everything with Allie Levine. If you loved this episode, please leave a review, screenshot this episode, tell a friend, tag us on social media, subscribe, tune in weekly for new episodes, and to continuously be uplifted, empowered, and inspired. 